0: What's good? Welcome to the What's Good podcast. I'm your host, Milton Young. This is episode ten. Another solo podcast. I wanted to bring you guys up to speed on a few things that were going on. It's a busy week. It's an exciting week. I have some. I have a few guests that are going to be on the show this week. Um, a lot of important things are going on with comedy. We're three weeks out away from the show. Um, December second is the a- official date. It's going to be taking place at Comedy Works in Saratoga Springs, New York. Um, 7 o'clock is the show start time. I'll let you guys know when tickets come out. They haven't officially released the tickets. They do that about two weeks out. So hopefully next week I'll give you guys an update. I'll have it on my social media, on my Facebook. So I'll keep you up to date there. This week is important because what we started doing now is we started working through, uh, starting to work on our actual act. Now why it's important is because this is where the comedians, and there's 11 of eleven of us um, taking the class. Uh, we're all gonna go up for anywhere from three to five minutes. Um, some, the, very, the the experience really varies. Uh, for me, it's an important class. I'm retaking it because because I'm an idiot, it's a comedy class. you can take it as much as you want. But I, I really wanted to work with Bill on structuring jokes really write the art of writing a joke right there a lot of people think that you know comedians they go up and they're just ad-libbing stuff or riffing that's not how it works there's it's a craft it's an art and bill keller really is one of the best in the business i mean i'm not going to go through and talk about who he's worked with or talk about his background i did that on previous podcasts but no, actually, I will. <laughs> actually, yeah, actually, I'm going to go back and tell you guys who this guy is because he deserves it. And it's strange how he he kind of just, he, he doesn't really let what he's done in the past describe who he is. Just through conversation, just through how you talk to him. His experience just, you, you can just tell, you know. Um, but the fact that he's worked with Jay Leno, the fact that he's written for the The Tonight Show, The Saturday Night Live Show... He's worked with the greats of uh, Jerry Seinfeld. When I'm in class and we're in class and he's dropping these nuggets of, of information or of wisdom, it's amazing to see some of the quotes, like who these nuggets of information are coming from. You know, he'll tell you something that Jay Leno said or Jerry Springer said uh, or Eddie Murphy said, and it just blows your mind. Um, so he's worked with all those people. He's written jokes for all those people. Um, he's had jokes stolen from him by some of those people, which those are interesting stories. I did talk to him about coming on the show. Uh, He agreed, but didn't agree. But what he did agree to, more importantly, and which I'm excited to share with you guys is, in the class, he's going to allow me to record certain parts of the class. And I can take tidbits of that and share it on my podcast. Now, going into this week, it's been a rough week for me because I'm searching all over the place looking for material everywhere. In the closet, on the floor, the men's bathroom. It's um, just, just all over. I'm not finding any of them anywhere. Um, but I'm looking. And whatever I come up with this week, I'm going to submit to him by Wednesday in written format. And on Saturday, what he's going to do is I'm going to go up and go through my whole skit. I'm gonna write about three to four minutes of material, go up and read it off the page, and you and Bill's gonna just rip me apart. <laughs> to be honest with you, and not rip me apart, he's gonna he's gonna start breaking down the jokes, and he's gonna start showing me what I missed, what I didn't miss, what made the joke funny, what would have made it funnier. Um, he's gonna to try to figure out why I wrote the joke, what originated. What originated the thought, um, what influenced it, what inspired it, all of those things. And the whole time the the part that's terrifying is the whole time that Bill is doing this. he's not laughing at any of the jokes I'm saying. doesn't matter how funny the joke is. Like I could do an African accent and nail it and he wouldn't laugh. But Bill done,Be, why do you look like this to me and day? You do not know what I am doing today. You are so black that when I see you, you disappear at night. Like I could do something like that. And he wouldn't he wouldn't even budge. But what he would do after is destruct and tell me how it could have been funnier, um, what I should have said, what I if I was worried you know what I mean? He just finds anything that can enhance the joke because that's what he does. And it's there's an art form to it and it's magical. And when I say it now it seems hard to believe, but when I have it done when i when I record it and I play it for you guys and you see him just bringing these jokes to life, it's gonna be amazing. and it's a it's an interesting position for me to be in because as a comedian, you really don't want people to see like how this thing's coming together. you don't you don't want to really expose your hand in terms of okay, this is what the joke's supposed to be pulling on, and this is how the joke's supposed to work. You don't want to see the mechanics of it. It's like a magician showing you how he does a trick, then you don't pay attention to the trick to a certain degree. But I'm doing this because, honestly, it's a teaching, it's a learning experience for me, hence me taking the class. And I want people that are tuning into the podcast that are thinking about taking comedy to benefit from this. And If you're thinking about if you're in the area and you can take the class from Bill Keller, that this will motivate you to take the class um, because you're going to see what goes into it. I can't tell you how many times I've gone to an open mic and seen someone step on stage that has a tremendous amount of talent, just raw talent, you know, um, and just bomb because they thought they knew what comedy was just because their friends when they're in front of them. And they're telling a funny joke. They get a laugh. Or they act silly and they get a laugh. And all of a sudden they say, oh, you're funny. You should be a comedian. And all of a sudden that open mic with a room full of comedians. Some doing it for five years. Some doing it professionally. Some just amateurs that have been doing it for six months. That have been on an open mic. That write. That prepare. That have material that doesn't work. That they're trying to work. But they know. But they're prepared because they have actual have material. They're not just going up there, and and winging it. And I don't want anybody that is thinking about doing comedy to go up and make that mistake because it'll literally ruin the experience for you. It's terrifying going up there and not getting a laugh, um, for five minutes. Five minutes is a long time when there's a room full of strangers staring at you, and expecting you to be funny. Especially when you told them you were going to be funny because you signed up at the open mic. <laughs> So, it doesn't have to be like that. Um, the comedy works in Saratoga on Thursday nights is by far one of the best open mics I've been to. And I've been to a few. I haven't been to any open mics in the city, but that's a whole different conversation, whole different story. And I plan on doing a podcast about doing open mics in the city when I go to the city and do open mics. But I just know about here in this area in Saratoga, upstate New York, Albany. As far as Albany is concerned, as far as I'm concerned... The comics that are in Comedy Works on Thursday night are some of the best comics in the area, amateur comics in the area. They're consistent. They show up. They come prepared. You have some names that have taken down some pretty, pretty important contests around here, um, and they're good. They're little. They're they're good comics, and you know what's better is that even more. They're so they're welcoming, you know. Like when I first got there. Everyone always told me all these bad things about open mics, the rooms, the comedians. You know what? To me, with my experience, because I showed up, I put the work in, I seemed prepared when I was there. I took it serious. I respected them. They gave me respect, and I, I get a lot of love out of that room. And if I'm there and you come up to me, especially you tell me you, you listened to my show and you're telling me it's your first time going on, man, as long as you came there prepared like I said, <laughs> you're going to get love. You're going to get love. I'm going to support you. But don't come there with anything with nothing and just think because you know two of your friends laughed at you that you're going to be a comedian. Cuz people are honest with you and I I've seen what that looks like. In my last the last show that I did, there were a few comics that went up on stage based on what their friends told them and instead of listening to the criticism, not even it's not even criticism that Bill gives you. It's it's advice. And criticism and advice are two different things, um, but his advice that he gives you, no matter how you look at it, it, always makes your joke better. And he's not even teaching; he's not even just saying, "Okay, write this down." He's saying, "This is why this particular thing was funny. This is how we can make it funnier, and this is, these are my suggestions on what you should do to make it funny." And then it's up to you to take it or not. But I take; I always take his advice. So I'm excited to bring that to you. I'm excited to give you that type of raw exposure into what go, the type of preparation that goes into five minutes being on stage, because it's only five minutes, but five minutes is a long time depending on certain things that you're doing, especially when you're in, like I said in front of a, a, a group of strangers. So I'm I'm really excited to uh, bring you that that type of content, that type of exposure, and then after this week, I'm not gonna have much time to really tighten it up. So it's gonna be exciting. For the people that are listening to this weekend's episode to see what changes I make and to see what adjustments I make based on the feedback that he's going to give me. Um, So what else can I say about comedy? Why don't I tell people why I started comedy? Um, If I'm going to be honest with you, it was to stay alive. Yep, it was to stay alive because uh, my mom used to whoop my black. And I realized that if I could get her to laugh while she was doing it, it hurt less. So it really worked in my um, favor to be as funny as possible. That even mean that might even have meant faking death. And I did it, and I did it so that I would survive. And she laughed. I remember once I was faking that I went blind in my right eye. Actually, I wasn't faking. (laughs) I did go blind in my right eye (laughs) from an ass whooping that my Bob gave me. Remind you, I call that an ass whooping and I went blind in my right eye. So we won't go into the details too much, but yeah, comedy really did protect me. Um, It saved my ass a lot. When I grew up in Saratoga, I was one of the only black kids in the area, so you wouldn't imagine being young High school, Saratoga, predominantly white area, (laughs) predominantly white, all white area. Um, To have my little black ass running around, I was a target. And there were a lot of bullies that wanted to pick on me because I was that target. And what was funny was I was so funny that I was able to turn some of those bullies into some of my closest friends. That ended up being such good friends that if another bully tried to pick on me, they stand up for me. You know, so and because, you know, I moved from Jamaica, I was an immigrant. Um, not like kids know what that means. Just know you're dark. They just know you're darker than them. So you, <laughs> naturally, I would target. I'm like an alien. Right. Um, oh, technically. I am. All right. Anyway, so. Yeah, so kids, I stood out and I was a target and bullies would come after me and try to beat me up. And if I could get them to laugh, then guess what? I didn't hurt as much or they didn't beat me up or they would just come and be around me, tease me, and I would make them laugh and everyone would be happy. So I learned it there. Comedy also made me friends because I didn't really fit in. I didn't have the type of money that a lot of these kids had. My parents weren't working the same jobs that their, those parents were working. I mean, my parents were working eight jobs and making probably half of what some of these people were making working one job. Um, so I was different. My clothes were different. I looked different. But I had comedy. And comedy just bridges things, you know? Um, it takes away lines. What I mean by takes away lines is it removes barriers. Because if you can get a whole room full of strangers laughing, chances are those, all of those people in that, those room, that room aren't going to be able to relate on a very intimate level. You know, the bigger the room is, the less, you know, relativeness there is to everybody in that room, right? But if they're all laughing at the same thing being said by the same person, then they're connected to a certain degree. And there's comfort in that. And when, why would you wanna beat somebody up that makes you comfortable? Why would you wanna beat someone up that just made you laugh so hard that you want him to make you laugh again? You're not gonna punch him in the face. You're gonna make him, you're gonna do something so he'll be funny again. And I was that guy. And it wasn't to be, and I'm gonna, I'll, I'll share something with you guys, something personal. I remember I was talking to somebody um, it was in the city, New York City, Manhattan. And I was having a drink, and someone asked me what I did, and I told him, you know, I'm a business development manager by day, and by night I'm you know, learning to be a comedian. And they said, oh, a comedian up in upstate New York, oh, you must be the token black guy. I just kind of laughed it off because it was another black person saying it, and I would have laughed it off if it was a white person saying it, but then again, I don't think a white person would say that to my face. Um... <laughs> And if they did, it would be funny. Uh, but they said that to me, and I, I stopped for a second after I, I realized what they said, and it really didn't make any sense to me because I'm, what the what the fuck is a token black guy, the guy that stays alive the whole movie? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I was a token black guy, and not in any derogatory like remark, even though that remark is supposed to be that. I was the only black guy, <laughs> so I don't know what else you want to call it. And that meant staying alive, and that meant there weren't a lot of people to defend me or stand up, so I had to do it myself, and that was comedy. And I was comfortable with that, and it made me um, – a lot of people just wouldn't – why would you beat up the funny guy? <laughs> you know what I mean? Why would you do that? And that's, that's who I was. I was the funny guy, and I was okay with it because I was a black funny guy, and I was alive. I wasn't getting stuffed in lockers or flushed down toilets. <laughs> so comedy did that. And comedy also um, made me able to talk to girls. You know? It was like a shield. A girl, if you can make a girl laugh, then you can have a conversation with her. And the darker you are in Saratoga Springs, New York, back when I was growing up, the harder you had to make her laugh. So, uh that's how it was, and it was cool, because back then, I mean, now I think we're fortunate. We have these people running around, upset, arguing about things because they can getting offended because they can When I was growing up, I got offended because I was offended, and then actually, if I really think about it, I didn't really get offended that much, because offended with me ended up with an ass beaten after it, so I was very particular about what I got offended about, and I feel that... A lot of people to this day, if they (laughs) got offended at the wrong, getting offended at the wrong thing resulted in getting an ass kick. You probably wouldn't get as offended. But now we have this space in this world, and we have all these rights, and we have all these people that will stand up for your rights. That yeah, you can be offended about anything that you want to be offended because chances are on social media you'll be able to find a big enough group to back that feeling of offensiveness. But not all of us were blessed with that privilege, so to speak. And I'm glad that I wasn't blessed with that privilege because it made me stronger. It made me tougher. It taught me things about the world that I'm glad that I know because they're never going to change, and it prepares me. And comedy prepares me to deal with these things because some of the things that I see and I witness or other people see and they witness, if I didn't have comedy to did not even deflect it but mutate it literally mutated like an alchemist into something positive that everybody can understand share and enjoy and kind of get a new perspective on i don't know what i would do i really do not know what i would do because everybody listening to this knows that this place this world is a messed up place and if you can laugh at it it's not that bad it is but it isn't so that's what i've used comedy to do survive (laughs) survive and you know it when i look around and i see some of the things that are going on now in this world i don't even think the best comics could make you laugh loud enough or hard enough to forget it but they'll laugh hard enough them will they'll, they'll craft a joke good enough to make when you're laughing you're just thinking about it You know, you're just thinking about it from a different perspective and you're gaining some insight to maybe do your due diligence and changing how you approach something or do something, you know. Um, But that's that's what comedy has done for me. What exactly what I just said, you know, when my mom was hitting me right with the belt and she was doing it for a good reason. She wasn't just beating me because I was a punk, even though I was a punk. (laughs) <laughs> she was beating me because she loved me And she wanted to make sure that When I went out That I was presenting myself To even Like over exaggeratingly Presenting myself in a good way And if I didn't She beat me Because she didn't want a cop shooting me You know And sometimes she just beat me too hard Like <laughs> literally So I got the point But she did it for thing to get the point point. Um, and I'm glad she did I'm very glad she did But when, I, when she was hitting me and I would overreact and pretend I went blind or actually go blind or pretend to die, she realized, okay, yeah, maybe I'm getting a little carried away. Or if I love the kid, like killing him probably defeats the purpose of loving him. And it saved me, you know? So, yeah, saying a lot is comedy. And let's be honest, you know, comedy, some of the best comedy comes from the darkest place, you know? That's right there. What are they doing? They're surviving. They're using it to survive. Now, I'm not saying that everybody needs to go up on stage because their mom has been chasing around the house with the belt. That's not what I'm saying. Um, what I am saying, though, is if you. Everyone has uses comedy for a different reason. What I just gave you is my purpose. If you just want to try it just to be funny, to step up on stage, just to try it because it's something on your bucket list or your to do list, which is if you have a really weird to do list or dedicating yourself to comedy for a year. Uh, It's a weird to-do list, but it's not on your bucket list or you have any doubts or it's inside you chase it because it's not that hard. And one, I hopefully when you guys listen to this, this breakdown of the jokes that Bill's going to be doing on my material, that it'll, it'll inspire you guys to just get up and try it. If it's comedy that you want to try. The other thing is that inspiration is contagious. I want people to realize that because someone, a lot of the people that are listening to this podcast, they're reaching out to me after listening and they're telling me that I inspire them for what I'm doing. And it's great because that inspires me to keep doing it and to set goals. This is the 10th episode. Um, I have a milestone of 25 episodes. Why did I pick that number? I didn't just pick it because it's just some number I throw it around. I picked 25 because I think a lot of people, when they're doing podcasts, if you guys look and go through, there's not a lot of people that make it to 25, episode 25. I, I want to make it way past that. But my goal when I'm booking these appointments, when I'm in the studio, when I'm writing, when I'm doing the notes, um, when I'm editing, my goal is to get to 25. So then I can set another goal of 75. And then once I get to 75, 200. And just keep going with this. And I'm, I have been inspired since I started doing this. And the funny thing is that my goal was to inspire other people and other people being inspired off my inspiration are inspiring me, which is, I didn't even do the math right. I never thought that was going to happen, but it's happening and I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for the people that are reaching out and giving me the feedback that they're giving. If you're, that they're giving me, and if you're even hesitating about giving me some feedback, positive, keep your negative shit to yourself unless it's constructive. Um, give it to me because I want to give you guys content that is going to make you tune in, listen to what I'm talking about. uh, If it applies to you, if it doesn't, then don't listen. This is really where I'm actually going there with that because there's a lot of people out there that are thinking about doing things and they're just stuck. They're not moving forward because they're afraid they want it to be perfect. It's never perfect. And even when it's perfect, it's not perfect. And if I waited for this podcast to be perfect, then I would still be waiting. It's sometimes it's just a matter of getting up, trying, failing as fast as you can so you can learn from that mistake, apply it to your next effort, and just keep going and keep going and keep going until you're done. It's really what it comes down to. There's nothing There's nothing more about it. I mean, the person that I that got me interested in podcasts, I have said it before, I'll say it again and say it many more times, is Joe Rogan. And I, m- I remember watching one of the episodes that he had up, and he said, just showing up. So all you got to do is just show up. Just show up and keep showing up, put the work in, and don't stop. It's the people that stop that never get to where they're going. And it makes sense. It's so simple, but it's such a hard thing to do. Showing up is a very hard thing to do. Because showing up means not just getting there, but performing when you get there. And that's all I'm doing. I'm just showing up. And I have good reason to show up. I mean, I love doing this. <laughs> talking to into a mic in a dark room in my office. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Um, So, yeah, what, what else I got going on? Oh, you know what else I want to tell you guys? And the person I'm talking about is going to hear this. I'm not calling him out because it's not fair to him. He doesn't know any better, because a lot of us don't know any better. But guys, be honest with yourselves. <laughs> Just if you take anything from this show, this episode, be honest with yourself. And this is what I'm saying. This goes back to what I'm talking about with even the comedy, or even stepping into a cage for for a fight. Be honest with yourself, because it's dangerous when you're not. Be a good judge for yourself. Be a good self-judge. And this is why I'm saying this. There's certain people out there that think they're better at things, way better at things than they actually are. Some of them are comedians. Some of them are comedians that I am in class with. And they're learning, but they think they're better than they are. And because they think that they're better than they are, they're getting in their way of learning. And my only way of getting over that and getting past it and not pulling them aside and saying something is that they're, I'm tricking myself into thinking that they, that person was placed in front of me on purpose so I can see and learn what not to do. If you are so confident in yourself that, you don't even give yourself opportunities to get better, then there's probably something wrong. Because even the best people give themselves opportunities to get better. It's called improving. And that's how you become the best, by constantly improving. It's like an infinite process of continued progress. And I've just seen people that step up on stage. They have a terrible comedy set, and they think it's hilarious. It doesn't even matter what the audience is saying. Now, there's a certain part of that where it's true. As a comedian, you go up, you do your set, doesn't matter what the the audience is doing And except s- for one, there's just 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 one situation that it does matter not laughing. <laughs> If're you're, if you're a comedian and you're up on stage and you go through a set and people aren't laughing, you can't get off and think that what you did was just killer because chances are it wasn't. there's there's only one exception and I'm gonna tell you guys about the whole not laughing thing with comedians. So those people that do go to open mics that maybe aren't night comedy works in Saratoga, comedians that are working on material or comedians in general they have a hard time laughing at other comedians out loud not because we're pricks some of us are not all of us but it's because we're laughing with our comedic mind and what i mean by that is that we're watching from a different level we're watching to study what the joke is we're looking for the mechanics we're looking so sometimes when a comedian laughs you're like oh that's funny oh that's hilarious oh that's excellent all whenever we're saying those things it's give it like we're just Putting our laugh in quotes instead of actually laughing, <laughs> and it's it's not a bad thing. It's a great thing. And to put in even a better example is I went to Kevin Hart's show and when he did it this summer at um, Spac in Saratoga, and I didn't laugh out loud more than twice, and it wasn't because it was a bad show. It was a great show. But it was because, as he was doing the jokes, I was literally going through my mind and looking at what mechanics he was using, where he was positioned on the stage, how he was setting things up, the callbacks that he was using a callback is when you you go you reference an earlier part of a joke Um it's just, it's just funnier when you when you when you do that you know um and the audience loves it because it shows that you know you kind of walked him into something that you were setting up the whole time uh, when you do callbacks and Kevin Hart is a savant at using callbacks. And just to watch him work, it's like I'm studying him as he's on stage. So I'm not going to be laughing as much. So I want to prepare people that are going to open mics. Sometimes you won't get a laugh, not because you're not funny, but because the comedians in there are other comedians that are working on new material that are probably looking at your, your comedy with a more subjective eye. So don't always look at an open mic and not getting jokes, um, not getting laughs at your jokes as your jokes are bad. And while while I'm there, look, if you guys are going to open mics, the reason you should be going on open mics is this. And, And I'm saying it this way because I've seen open mics destroy people because they go in with the wrong perspective, the wrong idea of what they're supposed to be getting from it. They invite their friends. They're not prepared. Listen, an open mic is like an open mat at the gym. It's like a riff session with your friends when you're on the guitar. You know, it's like going to pr- it's practice. That's what it is. But it's practice in a live setting. And that live setting is the audience. And it could be comprised of people just coming through town, people that just wanted a few laughs. It's usually free. So it's not, you know, you're not going to have huge expectations. But it could be an audience of people that are more than just comedians. And well, you need to when you're going to these open mics, what you're working on really is your comfort level of getting on stage, which as someone that's just getting into the business or just getting into the hobby or just getting into the art, whatever however you want to call it, it's just about working on your material, getting that stage experience, fighting your nerves, the nerves of actually stepping up on that stage in front of strangers. And it's big. Like a lot of people that want to do comedy don't do it because they're afraid of that audience. And I'll say this, they, I, they, told me, they told me before on the mat, you know, when you're on the mat, the only person you're battling is yourself. It's the same thing for when you're on the stage. The only person you're battling is yourself. Because at the end of the night, even Trump said this, you know, when you go up and you do speeches and you're nervous, listen, when, when at the end of the day, what you're saying up there really isn't that important. Half of it isn't even true. And no one's going to remember it. But if you don't go up on stage, If you go there, you sign up, but you don't make that walk onto that stage and suffer your five minutes or three minutes. It doesn't have to be suffer. It doesn't, but it could. So be prepared for that. But the whole purpose is to go there, get your reps in, go through your jokes, go through your material, not forget anything. And if you do, it was practice. I mean... I'll be honest with my journey when it came to open mics. I was terrified my first open mic. Like my first real open mic where I went, the power was there. I went up on stage. I got an introduction. It was terrifying. It was a room full of people like 60 people. <laughs> I mean, I, th- I thought that I was going to be an open mic, maybe 10, 20 people. 40, I think it was 40. No, I know it was 60 people because I wrote down on the top of my notes. Um. Yeah, I went up there and was terrified. But I I went up there, prepared from the class that Bill gave me. So I had material that I knew like the back of my hand. So when I did get in trouble, I just reverted to that. I had jokes that I had been practicing throughout the whole entire week. That I, there's a, Here's another tip. People think that when you're just starting and you're doing open mics that you have to memorize your jokes. You don't have to memorize your jokes, but you have to know your act. And that's something that Bill tells you. So memorizing your joke means reading it word for word off the page. And that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself for an open mic. But what you can do is that you can know the joke so well that if you get lost in it you can still tell the joke put the punchline where it needs to be when you're every joke every joke has a beginning middle and end and the majority of jokes end with the laugh at the end i mean you can't tell a joke and have the laugh be at the beginning and then talk your way through everyone laughing it's pointless so that's why whenever you see a comedian telling a joke the laughs come at the end um, sometimes and here's some comedian comedic terminology some comedians will step on their laughs which is terrible you don't want to do that you stepping on your laughs means um so say you're at home and this is how it works like these jokes that i'm, I'm writing now in the process of writing um i'm gonna tell them to myself a hundred times i'm gonna say them over a hundred times each before i get up on that stage in December second i'm gonna know those jokes inside out I'm going to tell them in the order that they're in forward. and I'm going to tell them in the order they are backwards, right? And then some of those jokes, I'm going to tell them in reverse order just so I can get them. But the thing is, is after you tell a joke a hundred times, like tell yourself the funniest joke you could think of right now, go through it a hundred times. I bet you at the hundredth time you stop laughing. And if you don't, then there's something wrong with you. <laughs> um Or it's a really funny joke. Text me what it is and I'll talk to you later. But um, what happens is when you tell a joke so much and you stop laughing, you tell in front of an audience and they laugh, you're not prepared for that because you forgot. (laughs) You literally forgot where the laugh was because you were telling it and when you're practicing it, the laugh isn't there. So what some comedians do is they're practicing it, they tell that joke, and obviously when you're practicing your whole set, you go right into your next joke. Well, when you do that on stage and people are laughing, it's called stepping on your own jokes, which is terrible because you want to get the full max out of your joke, right? For lots of reasons. One, because you're a comedian and the whole part of you telling jokes is so people can laugh at you. The other part is it keeps the timing of the show going because there's actually, just like music, there's a pattern to laughs. When a comedy comedian's up there. If you look at different comedians, look at it at this, and I'm sorry if I'm talking fast, I just got super, super, not excited, but excited. Um, There's different patterns. Like if you look at the laugh pattern of, say, a Dave Chappelle versus the laugh pattern of, you know, a Bill Burr versus the laugh pattern, where, how often you're laughing, what's the intervals of laughing? And that's all dictated on the style that the person's using. You know, if they're a storyteller, they're going to have longer pauses in between laughs. But if they're, they're like a punchline, um, not punch, yeah, punchline, you know, if they're, if they're a punchline comedian, then there's going to be more repetitions of laughs in between, in between, in between, in between. So that's always interesting to, to see and pick up on and study and be aware of. Um, yeah, so that's, that's very interesting. And, you know, the other thing about going to open mics and not being destroyed there—bring a couple of people. If you go there prepared, you know your jokes are going to work just because you practice them. Bring a couple of people, just so you have. Me, when I say couple, I literally mean one or two, just so you can have a laugh. I have a, one of the people that I went to class with, Sherman. I'm going to have him on the sh- on the the show. Great guy, great great guy. Not so funny. But great guy. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Sherman's kind of funny. Kind of. Uh, no. <laughs> I know he's listening to that. So this is why I'm messing with him. Sherman's a great great comedian. He's very talented. He's an excellent writer. Um, and we took the class together. He was one of my biggest support systems going into this after the class was over. After the eight weeks, me and him continued to go to open mics. He was very supportive, emailing back and forth. Um, he goes to open mics. You used to go to open mics. Sometimes the one thing that we would do together is that we would take them too serious. And the one thing that I was able to do was back off that seriousness and realize that, look, at the end of the day, I'm going to Saratoga, <laughs> I'm going into a basement with 20 people, maybe 60, who cares? And I'm telling jokes and they're going to laugh. If they don't, it's two things. They laugh, keep the joke. If they don't, get rid of the joke. It wasn't funny. It doesn't mean I'm not a funny person, you know? And that's the thing where you have to, when you go into these shows, these open mics, you have to know that you're funny inside. You know if you're funny, you know? Just like when I'm up there. And I'm up there in front of the audience. I'll tell a joke and it didn't hit right and they didn't laugh. I know, and you'll you'll know too. It was it because of the way I told the joke. Was it because of the wrong audience? was the joke just not good, you begin to feel it, you know, you'll see where the joke should have landed versus where it did, or if it didn't, you're like, ah, okay, that was just timing was wrong, you know what I mean, but it's just a matter, you're not going to know until you get up there, you're not going to find yourself until you get up there, you find yourself by pursuing it and chasing it and going there every single week, and after a while, getting in that uncomfortable situation, we talk about it on jujitsu. The more you're in an uncomfortable situation, the more comfortable it gets until it's no longer an uncomfortable situation. That's literally that. Think about it. Think about anything that you've done new or for the first time. Something that you're probably really, really good at at some point when you first started, you probably weren't as good as you are now as when you first started. It's the same thing. You know, it's the same thing. Um, Like, I don't know, jujitsu. Jiu-jitsu. We actually have, have a ranking there. So you have your white belt all the way up to black belt. So as you get better, you get those belts. But it's not just getting the belts and you're getting better. It's you're getting better and the belts are just symbolizing it. They're just acknowledging it. Same thing with getting on stage. You know, you're not, but they're not going to give you a belt. You're just going to feel the comfort, the pressure release. When they call your name, your hands aren't going to be sweating. You're not going to have that doubt in your your, your head. And that's that voice <laughs> we call it. I do uh, training Sandler sales training. Awesome tool. If you guys are, if there's anybody out there, I'm camping. be am plugging sell, it's a Sandler selling, but just check it out. It's a great system. And one of the things that they say in the system is head trash. And before you go up on stage being a comedian, that's what runs through your mind: head trash. What head trash is is exactly what it sounds like: trash, <laughs> doubt. And it manifests itself in half-truths, you know? Some, But they're not. It's it, The thing is, it's just a delusion. It's all an illusion. And it makes you delusional because it's not there, you know? And I get it a lot before I go up on stage. But what happens is this. And when I was training very hard for track, my coach told me about this. There's two voices inside you, right? Two voices inside of your head. And you have you control the volume on either one. And sometimes they're gonna be talking at the same level and you turn down the volume on the negative one. And that's what you do when you're going up on stage. That voice is always gonna be there. Oh, you're gonna mess up. Oh, you're nervous, Oh, you're gonna forget your jokes. Oh, you didn't practice enough. Oh, your jokes aren't funny enough. You're not funny, you're too black. Your lips are too big. Um these things. But they're not real. My lips are too big, but not too black. Actually, my lips are I have nice lips. My very nice succulent lips. But and that's how you come that's how you combat that war inside your head. You just go back at it and you answer by getting up on stage and then it shuts up. And then after a while, that voice it just gets tired of showing up because you've shown up to the same situation. You've ignored it so many times that it's not there anymore. And you don't need to to to, to battle it back with Succulent lit comments on your podcast. You don't need that. You know? <laughs> you have the confidence to no, okay, This, there's nothing. What's the worst thing that could possibly happen to me when I'm up on the stage? And I think about that. Someone not laughing. That happened to me a lot. Like, a lot. Like times where I needed it to work. Like, Times when my mom said, okay, this belt ain't working. Time to grab the wooden spoon. I needed to say something funny. I would say something. It wasn't funny. And I needed her to laugh. There's more risk there than me being on stage now as a grown man. So and I think everybody else up on stage is the same thing. It's an ego that you're fighting when you're up there. So don't let that hold you back when you guys are thinking about getting up on doing you know, comedy and open mics. So I hope that helps people that are tuning in. For the comedy portion of the podcast, Um, yeah, I just want you guys to know that, man. Like Bill Keller's class is awesome. I'm excited. I'm, I'm very. I'm not nervous about giving you this content about him breaking down my show or breaking down my my um, my jokes because it's gonna be educational for a lot of people that tune in, and it's gonna be an opportunity for you guys to say, okay, well, when I'm writing a joke. If I write a joke or jokes I have written, well, how would Bill look at it? Because he's going to dig in on the stuff that I'm writing. Like, when he's done with me, you guys might not think I'm funny. <laughs> but I'm cool with that because I am funny. I know that. And this is all part of the process. I'm literally seven months into learning comedy. Like, I've always been funny my whole life, but learning it as the art form, seven months in. And the ride has been phenomenal. The people that I've met on this this miniature journey, have been phenomenal people, like extremely talented people, really weird people, but talented and dedicated to their craft. And it's amazing to watch them grow, get funnier every week, just practicing, honing their craft, going home, writing, putting the work in, coming on. It. I'm telling you, I can't tell you how many days, how many Thursdays when I was doing open mics on a regular basis, something would come up during the day. Every, every day something came up. an excuse was always there. To not go but a, a legit reason like a tire being flat um a client needing to see the warehouse um something going on with the tenant something going on with you just like so many reasons we have to have priorities focus and and find a way to get there so i'm saying that not for me but to respect those comedians out there that are on that grind that are making it to those open mics every week man it's a grind, but it's worth it. And it's fun. And if you're thinking about doing it, stop thinking about it. Just get up off your couch. Write five jokes. Five of your best jokes, right? Just take the time. Take a half an hour. If you can do it in a half an hour, God bless your soul. If you can't, God bless your soul. Um, but just take the time and go to an open mic and just see what you got. It might be a hobby that you like. It's, imagine getting paid $300 to do five minutes worth of material comedy you're making people laugh and you're getting a check when you're done so i'm not here to sell you on i'm just saying if you guys are thinking about it get up off your couch and and do it because it's it's awesome there's so many awesome purposes of it so check it out i hear people telling me that i'm inspiring them well if you want to be inspired go to an open mic and look at some of these guys up on stage or some of these girls up on stage killing it there's a lot of talent out there so what else i'm going to talk to you about So I'm doing a podcast about jujitsu and I haven't been training. Why? I actually got into it. I got my finger injured. And how I injured my finger is I actually severed a tendon in my middle finger on my left hand. I was on one of those one wheel things. Basically, it's like a, a futuristic looking hovercraft with one wheel hollowed out in the middle of the board. And based on your weight distribution... The craft will move the board will move forward or move back um i was you know flossing it doing my thing going around a turn and i fell and when i fell my finger went down in between the board and in between the wheel and it got caught and it severed the tendon so they were telling me it was going to take eight weeks for the, the tendon to repair itself uh, mine repaired itself within four weeks which is amazing but i need to do a lot of physical therapy I've been doing about three weeks with physical therapy. Awesome, awesome um, physical therapy um, sessions. I got to give a shout-out to these guys in Clifton Park. These guys are awesome. They're phenomenal. Andrew. Shout-out to Andrew. I don't know what his – but he's a physical therapist, and he's dope, and I'm going to do a better shout-out when I get your credentials on my next episode. <laughs> but shout-out to Andrew. You know who you are. Um so he uh, it does physical therapy in Clifton Park. But like I said, I'm, I'm going to give you guys a better shout out than that because they just did a phenomenal job with my hand. But the exciting thing about that is and the reason why I'm telling you guys about me training jujitsu or my inability is because I'm going to start training again next week. And I like doing things on my podcast because it holds me accountable. Um, I'm going to be start training next week. I'm actually going to be doing acupuncture tomorrow. I'm going to give you feedback on how that works. Uh, to see if it does work. And the main reason is because even though the physical therapy is allowing me to get movement back in it, flexibility back in it, um, reduce the possibilities of arthritis down the road, is that the acupuncture is going to help me with the swelling. Uh, even though after some of my physical therapy sessions, the swelling is down, it comes back. So the acupuncture is to really just take out all the inflammation permanently out of the finger. Not, yeah, permanently, instead of you know going for a treatment, leaving, and it comes back. Um, But my physical therapy, my physical therapist, these guys were great. My doctor was great that did the surgery, um, but it just still looks a little mangled. I really don't have much grip strength in it, so I'm kind of nervous on how it's going to go in terms of grabbing, falling back on it. But, you know, honestly, with jujitsu, you just got to get back in there and, and see what happens because... I know you guys are thinking, oh, why would you wanna do that? You have a rope and finger that. Yeah, but the thing is this. If I were to get attacked in the streets right now, you you think someone's gonna be like, Oh, wait, whoa, whoa, I didn't see your finger there, buddy. All righty then. Ah, uh, yeah, you go have a good day, I'm not gonna mug you. No, it's not gonna work that way. They're gonna kick my ass. So that's my attitude going to it with the training. Like I have to get my grip strength back. I have to start training again. Jiu Jitsu is such a big part of my life in terms of Keeping me focused, keeping me moving forward, keeping me on my diet, um, challenging me. I say it all the time. If you're used to pushing yourself to another level um, every day, mentally and physically, both partial, whatever, guess what? Mentally, you begin to change. And what you perceive as difficult gets put in the right category of being difficult or not, you know? And an argument with your boss, if that's the most difficult part of your day, then that's gonna be the most stressful thing. but if your most difficult part of your day is going to train at matt Secor's gym and <laughs> if you if if that's if that is the toughest part of your day, then arguing with your boss ah, uh, not so bad, you know rolling with Matt Secor for five minutes is hell. Arguing with your boss, not so much. It's an argument. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It's not a struggle for life. It's not a struggle for air. You know, you're not being tapped every five seconds. That's if he's going easy. That's if he's trying to let you grow. I'm just kidding. Like every two seconds. But, um, yeah, I mean, it helps me keep things in perspective which is the most important part of things. And it gives me focus. You eat differently. If you know you're going to be rolling for eight minutes, you're not going to be picking up a a slice of two slices of pizza or three slices of pizza on your lunch break. You're going to have a healthy sandwich, and you're going to drink water. You're going to make sure you're hydrated. You're going to make sure that you stretch. Because 5 o'clock, you're going to be on the mat. You're going to be on the mat for two hours, and you're going to be sweating. So you need to be hydrated, or else you're going to cramp. And if you cramp in the middle of a roll, it's painful. But most importantly, it's nobody else's fault except for your own. And I feel that people perform better when they're being tested physically. You know, the blood circulation, um, the pressure, uh, the real threat, the adrenaline, all those things. I think that's good for the heart. I think it's good for the immune system. I think it's good for you as a person because I feel feel like in real life, if we didn't have the society as protected as it is, like if we were just in nature, that people would be engaging with each other more. You'd be you'd be different people, you know, you'd have to have different skills. So going to MMA and getting in like a real life struggle for life is a simulation that I think as humans we need. I'm not saying that every day you should be fighting for your life. I'm just saying in the real life, if you're out in the nature and we're going back all these years That you would have to have some means of defending yourself, so you probably engage with your activities throughout the day a little bit differently. You know, you'd be more aware of that. You wouldn't be fat and unable to move, or somewhere to jump out of the woods and you have to run off. You know what I'm saying? So jujitsu kind of just ties into me not being chased by a lion somehow. I guess (laughs) I don't know, but you guys get the point. Cage Wars 30s is coming up. I'm really excited about that. I just had. Matt on the show. Matt Boyce is going to be defending his heavyweight belt that night on the 24th. Um, Derek Ellis is going to be fighting from representing Matt Secor Jiu-Jitsu. He officially has a new match, which is great. Someone stepped in, stepped up to get that done. So that's going to be really exciting to watch. Um, Like I said, guys, if you are hesitant about going to check out Cage Wars, don't. Go check them out if you're interested in getting, in. you don't even if you're interested in getting an MMA. If you like MMA, if you watch UFC, and you're interested in, it. come check these guys out. I mean, they're becoming real legit real fast. I mean, they've all Cage Wars has always been legit. They're probably one of the most legit when it comes to the amateur scene. But these guys, I mean, they're getting they're getting their program together, and they they're running a smoother show. Their their fighters are top notch. Um, these guys aren't just rolling out of bed and stepping in that cage. I mean, you can tell that they're training with gyms. A lot of them are not independent. They're actually working with gyms. So they're training with coaches. Some of them have professional coaches. Some are being trained by professional fighters. It's an exciting It's a good time when you go there. I've had, there's good fights. So if you're in doubt and you know, you hear one of these, if they're in your town at some point, go check them out. You guys, you'll, you'll like it. You'll definitely like it. Um, But what else did I want to talk to you guys about today? I think that's it. I mean, I'm really excited about this week coming up. It's going to be a busy week for me writing. It's going to be a busy week for me hosting the show. Um, Nick Johnson is going to be on the show Wednesday. I'm going to try to get that posted up Wednesday night. That's going to be a great show. Nick is a beast. Um, I think he even does CrossFit. (laughs) Uh, But uh, that's an inside joke. Anyway. So, yeah, I think I'm going to wrap this up. This was a great episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. If you haven't hit the subscription button, please subscribe. Like I said, do not hesitate to send me feedback. I love hearing that I'm inspiring you guys. Reach, you guys can reach me on my Instagram, Styles36Styles. Um, you guys reach me on my Facebook. Um, we're working on getting the, the website up for the site, so you're going to be able to get a hold of me there. I've also encouraged people to go and sign up for Anchor. You can get up on and just download it on your phone, Android, or your iPhone. Uh, once you get up there and you set up a, an account, you can actually send voice messages to me. So that's great. And I actually want someone to do that so I can play it on the show. If you guys can ask me a question, I can answer it there. And, you know, as far as some of the guests that I want to be, I'm going to keep it a surprise for certain just just because I want to. Just because I want to. Um, but it's going to be, it's not just going to be got comedians. It's not just going to be jujitsu players. I mean, I have people reaching out to me that want to get on the show, some interesting people that I never thought would even be interested in doing a podcast um, like the What's Good podcast, but they are, and that's great. Like I said, I'm inspiring people, and they're inspiring me, and I think the conversations that I plan on having with some of these people will be, the content's just going to be great, because a lot of them come from different worlds that um, I'm interested in knowing about, I'm curious about knowing. And I feel that in knowing, learning them, that I'll give some of my viewers some really, really good content to go back on. And also, if you guys, there's someone out there that you don't want to be on the show, you practice martial arts, you do comedy, hit me up. Hit me up. Let's talk. You know? I might regret doing that. But, uh, hey, why not? It's my show. I can do whatever I want. (laughs) But, yeah, it's been great. Thanks for joining the show. And uh, I'm signing off. That's what's up. Have a good night or day, whichever it is. Bye.